Well, good morning, Connect Church. How are we doing today? So good to see you. Before you start, I heard somebody say, he complained about the weather, and I heard somebody go, boo. Okay, before you boo me off, I did spend my first 45 years in Michigan and Illinois. So I did, <clears throat> you know, I remember cold and slush, but now it's been three years in Tampa, and it was chilly at 51 a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's amazing how fast you make the change, where it's like, whoo, I need, I need a, a parka. But I'm so glad to be here. It is uh, just a delight. I love Connect Church. I have, uh, uh, <clears throat> on Facebook, I'm one of your biggest fans. Facebook actually told me that. They gave me like a little badge that said, get a life, because you click all the things on Connect Church. So I love being a part here. Love your pastor, Dave, and love uh, the staff, and just the chance to be able to do that. Well, let's just jump in, because we're in the series called Four. Now, here's the reality. Have you ever had an unforgettable experience? Unforgettable experience. Anybody? Good, bad, something that has just stuck with you. Unforgettable experience. I bet we have. I bet we've all had different experiences over our time. Years ago, I went to Mexico on a mission trip. And I was hired to be the speaker and the worship leader. And so there was four or five different youth groups from around the country that all came to this mission center. And then I was going to lead them in worship and then teach them the Bible. And then during the day, we'd all go out into the community and serve. And so my flight got delayed, my flight got delayed. Finally, I get there. I arrive to the airport. They drive me to the mission center. I get to the mission center, and I'm there. And I walk in just as they're getting done with the first meeting. Everybody leaves, and I walk up to the person in charge, and I said, hey, my name's Jason. I'm here. I'm your speaker, worship leader for the week. You know, what, what do I need to know? Thinking he'd tell me where to go, find the room, where's the food, you know, all the different kind of stuff. And he's like, okay, well... You missed when we handed out all the jobs. And I was like, wait a minute, my job, I get to lead worship and speak. That's why I'm here. Like, I'm kind of a big deal, right? Like, you know, like, woo, you know, my, my mom's in my speed dial. Like, I am a big deal. And he's like, well, no, everybody, everybody's here who's serving has to have a job. And I was like, okay. He's like, well, you know, everybody, every, all, their, all their different moments are gone. And he goes, here's the one thing that's left. And he handed me a bucket. And he said... There's 70 of us, there's only two working toilets, and we can't flush any paper here at the retreat center, so there's a bucket next to each toilet where all the paper goes, and your job is to clean the buckets, and I was like, oh, okay. Now, that was, that was many, many years ago. Today, I have five children. I, I've cleaned up stuff that, you know, it's no big deal after five kids. But back then, I, I, I just didn't have it. And I, I had a, a, a giant head. And I was like, wait a minute. You must have missed it. I'm the, I'm the speaker. Like, I'm the guy up front. He's like, oh, I'm well aware. You got the bucket. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Well, for the next week, it was an unforgettable experience. <laughs> no air conditioning in this mission center, middle of July. You walk into those bathrooms, and it was, you know... Not like today where people spend, you know, all day in the bathroom on their phone. Like there was no phones to spend all day in the bathroom. You got in and you got out. And I spent all week cleaning the bucket. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've had to have one of those unforgettable experiences where you've had to serve people. Uh, we're in the series called Four, right? Four. And Dave opened it up brilliantly the last couple of weeks. He talked about how God is for us, uh, how God is for our relationships, and so often, and Dave's right, uh, sometimes the local church in general is known more for what it's against than what it's for. 
And so in this series, we're trying to get to the heart of who Connect Church is and what we're for. And really, we're for the community. We want to be for the community and serve them. We don't want to just be a church who just gathers inside of this building and then that's it. We want to think outside of the building because church just isn't the building. It's us. I love this quote by Rick Warren. He said, the only way you can serve God is by serving other people. Ooh. Ooh. So what do we want to be known for? What do we want to know before? When we've been transformed by God's love, now we get to be used by God to help in his transformation process of other people. I love this quote by the great evangelist D.L. Moody. If you've never heard of him, D.L. Moody, Google him. He was a brilliant evangelist at the turn of the century, the 1900s. Moody Bible Institute was named after him. He, he's just powerful. He said this, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do the little things. It's so true in my life. Like I wanted to do the great things. I'm the speaker, I'm the worship leader. I'm going to lead worship during the week. Back then, this is like 15, 18, 20, maybe longer years ago, we sang songs like, Lord, I lift your name on high. And we had motions. Like, that's, that's a big deal. I wasn't, this wasn't my job, but this is the job that was given to me. And it was an unforgettable experience. So my challenge to you today in this message is to be for your community by serving them. Be for your community by serving them. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at John chapter 13 in the New Testament. And we're going to dive in to look at what Jesus, how he approached serving, how he approached un, creating unforgettable experiences. And so if you have your Bible, open up. If not, open up on your phone or follow along on the screen. John chapter 13, verses 1 to 2, this is what it said. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Before we go on, just a couple thoughts about this passage of Scripture. One, we're actually given a time reference here, a time reference here. One of the things I love about that, and in honor of the, the coldness and in honor of your pastor, I brought my hoodie and the blowfish scarf. You're looking at one of the greatest Hootie and the Blowfish fans on the planet. Those of you under 30 are like, what's a Hootie and the Blowfish? But I love this, this verse because it's giving us a time reference, which is one of Hootie's biggest songs called Time. Thank you. You and me are best friends right here. We got it. Time, why you got to punish me, you know, like time. I'm also wearing a scarf because your pastor's from across the, the pond, as they call it, in a country where soccer's really big. And every time I see a, a football match over there, people are always wearing scarves. So I thought, well, I'd honor Dave by wearing a scarf. And because it's so cold, it was like both hands. But I love this passage of scripture because it's giving us this time reference. It was just before the Passover festival. The Passover festival is a giant party, like the party of all parties to celebrate God's faithfulness to the children of Israel by leading them out of slavery. If you go all the way back to the beginning of scripture in the book of Exodus, the second book in the Old Testament, you see that Moses was called by God to lead his people out of Egypt under the slavery of the, of the Pharaoh and God sent 10 plagues to help change Pharaoh's mind, and by the time of the 10th plague, which was the worst plague, which was if you did not put lamb's blood above the doorpost of your house 
at night, the spirit of death is going to come across the land and the doorposts without the lamb's blood, the spirit of death will not pass over and will take the life of the firstborn. Horrific, horrific. This is awful. But God had given all these other plagues, was trying to get the Pharaoh to, to change his hard heart. And so this is what it came to. And what I love about this is it is a beautiful foretelling, isn't it? Because what we're about to experience in the New Testament in the John chapter 13 a little bit is later in Jesus's life, he's about to go to the cross where his blood was about to be spilled on our behalf. And Jesus is also known as the Lamb of God. And so this is a giant party celebrating the Passover. And he knew that the time had come. He had lived his entire life in anticipation for this moment. Jesus' ministry was close to being done. In 24 hours, he would hang on the cross. This was the beginning of the end. And Jesus used these last precious hours to serve and prepare his disciples and to create an unforgettable experience for them that would be lodged in their head. Because here's the reality about the cross. The cross. Many of us, many of us wear crosses all the time. Many of us see crosses. Many of us have crosses. There's crosses in our house. But in this passage of scripture, John chapter 13, the cross isn't specifically mentioned. The cross isn't specifically mentioned, but it casts a shadow over every word in this passage of scripture. We see that the shadow of the cross, that his, his hour had come. We see the shadow of the cross over his disciples who he loved to the end. And we see the shadow of the cross over the time when he departs from this world. And it's phrased softly, but there is an iron hard reality underneath the soft cover. Jesus would only depart this world through the cross. That's why the cross is something that you and I cannot take for granted. That's why the cross is something that we don't just wear around our neck, but it's something that we thank Jesus every single day that he died and hung on the cross for our sins for. He loved his own, John chapter 13 says. There is a love Jesus has for his people, and then there's a love Jesus has for his own. It's not so much Jesus' love is different, but dynamic of the love relationship is different. The love of Jesus for his own is greater because it has a response and love, ans love answers to love. These disciples and all disciples were his own belonging to Jesus. They were his own because he chose them. They were his own because he gave his self to them. They were his own because the Father gave them to him. They were his own because he would soon purchase them with his death. They were his own because he conquered death to save them. And they were his own because they gave themselves to him. This is how powerful this is. And his love, he loved them to the end. It means that his love will never end. Because you and I, sometimes we use the word love like it's just, you know, I used to love that. I used to love it. I used to love the gordita at Taco Bell. Not so much anymore. I used to love it. I love PS3. Now I love the PS17. Whatever it is, I don't even know. My kids would know. I don't know. I lead a volunteer small group back at my home church. I was a pastor for 26 years. The last year and a half, I primarily travel and speak now, and I speak mainly to corporate audiences. So I, I train a lot of people in uh, companies on how to have better communication skills with each other, how to speak to each other, how, how to know how your body language is communicating. And so I speak a lot to banks and to hospitals and to companies and, you know, all of those different kind of things. And so I spend a lot of time, but now I volunteer with this small group of boys and they're always teaching me brand new things about life, you know, I, that I'd never even, they, they use words that I had no idea what it meant. Like, what are you talking about? 
but here's what we do. <laughs> here's what we do know. The word love, God's love has not changed for us. God's love does not fade away for us. God's love is not something that we used to love and now it fades away. God, is, God is, does not treat us that way. He doesn't say, oh, I used to love you. And then boy, you really, mm, you got really bad and I don't love you anymore. It's not, it's not like that. First Corinthians 13, one, the apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church actually says this, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> what Paul is saying is even if you speak in all these other great languages and you have all this intelligence, you have all this amazing ability to be so smart, but you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like a symbol that you hear and then it fades away. I was in the marching band in 1993, Eastern Michigan University. I played the trumpet. I was down the road from the greatest college football team of all time, the University of Michigan Wolverines. Anybody? Anybody? All right. I always went over crowds. I was in Alabama two months ago, and I said that. They pretty much booed me off the stage. They're like, don't even let them speak. Boo. Boo. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was in the marching band, and I loved being a trumpet player because the trumpet player, we carried the melody. We had all this, you know, amazing moments. Bum, bum, ba-dum, bum, ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. One second. Was terribly planned, but I did it. Then the cymbal player would come in, right? The cymbal player. <clears throat> and all day he's just moving his cymbals. But that moment when it was like bump, bump, ba-dum, bump, ba-dum, bump, and the cymbal player came in, and the cymbal was bright and beautiful and loud, and everybody was ooing and awing. But guess what happens to the cymbal? Fades away. And Paul is saying, that's not what God's love does. God's love does not fade away. That's how powerful God's love is for you. That's why we cannot think of love the same way because we sometimes think of it so differently. And Jesus is sitting across from a guy who's about to betray him. Anybody ever been betrayed? Show of hands. Anybody ever been betrayed? Yeah. Some of us put our hands up. The other ones of us were like, no, we, no, because I'm, no. We've all been betrayed. I know we have. People have heard us. And Jesus is sitting across from Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who's about to betray him. Now, verse 3 in John 13 says this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What a crazy passage. Those of you who've been in church for a long time, you know this. You've probably heard it a million times. But every time I hear this, it's just crazy to me. I've never once done this at a family gathering. I've never got up from the table, took off my clothes. Like, never. Like, it just hasn't happened. I mean, my in-laws would throw me out. <laughs> Thanksgiving next year. We're going to attempt that one. <laughs> I'll go down the road, find a cracker barrel. Peace. No, I'm kidding. I love my in-laws. They're amazing. But this is an incredible verse because it's important because of the hour. Jesus was about to face the agony of crucifixion and the terror of standing in the place of guilty sinners before the righteous wrath of God. He was going to stand in our place 
to take on our sin and our shame and our hopelessness. And at the same time, it's important to remember that Jesus was about to lower himself, literally stooping in humble service to the disciples. Here's the thing. Jesus was not the victim in this situation. He was the victim. Tore. He could have backed out at any point because the Father had given him all things in his hands. But he didn't, and he served in a humble way. He did it from a position of all authority because he knew he was God's son. And the Gospels don't often tell us the motive or the thinking behind what Jesus did. In this passage of Scripture in John chapter 13 is different because the author does exactly that. He tells us exactly why Jesus washed their feet and spoke to them with so much love in the following chapters. And so with short, vivid statements, John described the remarkable thing Jesus did that unforgettable night. We have a sense that when John wrote this many years after the fact, he could still remember every detail. You ever had those situations where many years after something happened, you remember every single detail of it? You sit around at the dinner table and you tell your kids something that happened and you remember every detail. We just celebrated our seventh uh, family day with our adopted son, Kai. We adopted him from China seven years ago. We started the process about nine years ago and we brought him home from China seven and he just turned 10 a few days ago. And one of the things that I, I I can't and will not and won't ever forget is all the people who helped us adopt Kai. Adoption costs. It, it's, it's just us. If you do it uh, here, if you do it there, if it, whatever it is, there, uh, adoption has a price to it. Ask God the Father about adoption and how much it cost him because it cost his son in order to adopt us. I mean, ado adoption costs. And one of the things that I love about our adoption story is that there was many people across the country who helped us. We had a fund, people gave to it. And one of the many churches that helped us was Connect Church. You guys helped us by giving to our fund and we were able to bring our son home, who now is just, I mean, he's just a hoot. He's 10 years old. Uh, he's probably about this tall already. Uh, he, Minecraft is his life. Like, I mean, everything is, he wears Minecraft every single day. But those details you just never forget. Never forget, and I'll never stop thanking you for that every time that I come because I love how for you are the community, how for you are for helping people, for how for you are for serving them. And so Jesus teaches us that. He begins to wash his disciples' feet, and this has deep meaning. Jesus did something that must have seemed crazy to his disciples. He began to wash their feet. This is like unforgettable serving. He completely gave himself to washing his feet. He was thorough in his work. Have you ever washed, um, asked your kids to clean something? And they go over and they're like, I'm done, I'm done. Well, now that, you know, my mom has five grandkids and they're, my kids are older, 24, 21, something, something, something. I have five of them. <laughs> it's, it's, once you, I know the first two's age. I think the third one's 19. Don't quote me on it, but... Um, my wife knows all their names spelled backwards, their social security numbers. I'm like, the only time I need their social security number is tax time. Okay, that's a different story. But now that my kids are older, you know, they don't help me with the tax. Anyway, anyways, that's a whole other, other thing. But my mom is so hypocritical because as a kid, she would go nuclear if I didn't scrub around the base of the toilet, if I didn't clean the baseboards. Now her grandkids, she's like, oh, look, they did such a great job. 
I'm like, Mom, they barely even touched a towel. She's like, oh, give them. It's tough being them. I'm like, ah, what are you talking about? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus did the extreme amount of serving. He rose from supper. Then he laid aside his garments, which had to remind him of what just waited for him in a few hours when he would be stripped of his garments and be crucified. He then put on a towel. He then pours water into a basin. Uh, If Jesus just wanted to display the image of a servant, he would have just had a servant come over and do this. But he didn't do that. He didn't. He would have just, you know, quickly wiped something down and said, okay, wash each other's feet. That's not how Jesus reacted in this. This was an unforgettable example of servanthood. Unforgettable example. It was absolutely unthinkable that the master, that the Messiah, that the rabbi, that the son of the living God would wash his disciples' feet. That washed. It was just a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy moment. And the disciples were trying to figure out the significance and like, why are, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It reminded me years ago, we used to live in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, up north. And uh, one time I dropped over my t- uh, now 21-year-old, then 6-year-old at a buddy's house for a play date, having a big party. It was in South Barrington, a little bit ritzy over in that turn. And so we pulled up and the, the house had a gate, not like a little gate that you open up and walk through, but like a gate. You press the button. Hey, we're here for Braden's party. Like powerful. We get there. The door is this massive door. We knock on the door and their maid answered the door. Their maid, like big giant door opens. She welcomes us. You know, I stick around for a little bit and then I leave and I come back to pick up Bobby and I'm I'm asking about the thing. He's like, dad, it was so much fun. Oh my goodness. Braden has a slide from the upstairs to the downstairs. Braden has an indoor playscape. Braden has a maid. I was like, Bobby, what's a maid? He's like, I don't know, but she cleaned up after everything we did. It was amazing. He's like, Dad, we should get a maid. I was like, we have a maid. Me and Mom and you and your brother and your sister. I mean, his, his little mind just couldn't handle it. This is the same thing that's happening in the disciples' minds. They can't handle why the rabbi is now, is now washing our feet. This was the lowest, the lowest, this, this was the lowest, the low. I mean, there was nothing lower than washing people's feet. And it was customary. If I invited you over to my house for dinner, it's not like today. We don't have all these cool kicks, the new Jordans, and we don't have all the, all the stuff. If you were loaded, you had sandals, but for the most part, it was dirty. It was disgusting. And the other thing people miss about this story is, especially if you've been in church your whole life, you're like, oh, they probably sat at a normal dining room table. That's not how they sat. The dining room tables were much lower. And so they would either sit on a pillow, put their feet behind them or their feet underneath them. And so then now all of a sudden, everybody is closer to their feet. That's why it was customary to wash people's feet because you don't want to eat and have everybody's feet right next to you. And so it was smelly. It was disgusting. And none of the disciples offered to do the lowliest job. None of them did. And so finally, Jesus gets up and he does the lowliest job. And, and he shows them that actions do speak louder than words, right? I'll be at a couple of schools this week speaking uh, at assemblies with middle school kids and elementary school kids. I'll do some uh, development time with teachers teaching communication skills. One of the things that I speak about a lot is how our words matter. And I'll walk students through the, the weight and the importance of every single word that you choose and, and the power that you have with those words and what they'll do to each other. And so he doesn't just say, gentlemen, let's serve other people. He models it in the most powerful way possible. He shows them. He says, this is exactly how you 
create these unforgettable moments where you are for your community by serving them, by serving them. And so he got up and he did this and he showed it in a way that illustrated extreme servant leadership with his life. He rose from the dinner table. The dinner table was a place of rest and comfort. Just like he was about to rise again from the dead, he rose from his throne in heaven, a place of rest and comfort. He laid aside his garments. He took off his covering. Jesus also laid aside his glory, taking off his heavenly covering. He puts on a towel, being ready to work. He took the form of a servant and came ready for work. He poured water into a basin, ready to clean. In just a day later, he would pour out his blood to cleanse us from the guilt and the penalty of sin. And then he sat down again, washing their feet, just like he sat down again at the right hand of God the Father after cleansing us. I mean, this is who we're talking about. Jesus, the Son of God. And sometimes we don't, we, we don't give Jesus the weight that he should. Just even the name Jesus like, should create a pause in our life to reflect and to celebrate and to remember all that Jesus has done for our life. One of my favorite comedians, I have a ton. Uh, Nate Bargatze is probably on the list right now. Anybody fellow Nate Bargatze people? Yes, yeah, so funny. One of my old school comedians, I love Steve Harvey. I mean, he's just a hoot. He does this bit, you can YouTube it. Steve Harvey introduces Jesus where he talks about how, as a comedian, he's always introduced, right? Uh, this this guy's from here doing all this kind of stuff. Steve Harvey says, I would love to introduce Jesus for a show. And so he does it. And they bring out an organ player, and the organ player's playing like that kind of bluesy gospel. And then Steve Harvey says, I want to introduce a man who needs no introduction. And then the organ goes, his credits are too long to list. He's done the impossible time after time. He healed the blind with dirt and spit. He hails out of a manger from Bethlehem. His mom is still headlining the Catholic Church today. And, and the organ's going. His daddy is the author of the world's best-selling book. He fed 5,000 souls with two fish and five loaves. He can walk on water. He can turn water into wine. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. And then he says, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And the place just erupts. I mean, that's the Jesus that we serve. Some of us miss the sight of the, that, that scripture has so many other names for Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, the bread of life, the prince of peace, the living water, light of the world, the great high priest, the lamb of God, the living stone, the righteous judge, the true vine, the king of glory, the chosen one. King of kings, the Lord of lords, alpha and omega, redeemer, rock, sanctification, righteousness. Here's, here's the reality. If we're gonna be for our community by serving them, and we're going to create these unforgettable type moments. Because here's the other thing you have to know about unforgettable moments. They're not always big and bright and amazing. They could be just these little tiny moments that bring such powerful transformation to your life. Jesus shows us ultimate humility. If you want to serve that way, learn ultimate humility from Jesus. If we're going to serve our neighbors, serve our community... We're going to serve the least, the lost, and the last. We're going to care about people outside of the four walls of this building. We're going to drive through our community and pray for it every single day. That's why I love coming to this church. I love walking through the doors, and I love the mural right when you walk in. 
Like, I love that. That's a statement to this place. That is not just about us. It's about our community. I love that. Jesus shows us this kind of humility with the bucket and the towel and on his knees. And I love this quote by the great C.S. Lewis. He said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? Like, ooh, that's powerful. Paul said this in Philippians 2. He walks us through this kind of humility that Jesus gives us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, value yourselves among, above others, uh, above yourselves, and looking on your own interests, but each to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Then he says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? Rather, he made himself nothing. I mean, that in itself. The moments you and I think that God has just disappeared from our lives. Where are you, God? Why are you not helping? Jesus made himself nothing to save us. He took on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And then verse 8 and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. John Orberg said, every human being who's ever lived has suffered from a Messiah complex, except one. <laughs> right? Jesus did not. So if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you've said, Jesus, I trust in you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I know that I have sinned because Scripture says that Every one of us has sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. I confess my sins to you. I ask for your forgiveness. I give you the reins of my life. I, I want you to be my, my Lord, my leader. You're my savior. And then you take the obedient step of baptism by going public with your faith and saying, you know what? I follow Jesus. If you've done that, this message is for you. You can't escape from this message. This, this is for you. If you haven't quite made that decision yet, you, you get a pass. You get a pass. Those of us, though, who are Christ followers, we follow Jesus. Like, this is it. Like, he shows us this kind of crazy humility. We're called to a higher standard. We're called to an unforgettable uh, example of servanthood. So what are ways that you can serve the people in your life like that? What are ways that you can serve the people in your community like that? I mean, what are different things? Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. John Orberg, an author, he says, live appropriately small. Live appropriately small. Isn't it great to hear the stories of the people who like did these most amazing things? I heard a story once about a, a school um, uh, librarian who didn't have a family, but he saved everything. And when he died, his like estate left all this money to the school. I mean, he was a school librarian, but he saved everything and he gave it to everybody at the end. And nobody even knew. I mean, it was just incredible. Bless your neighbors by serving them. Be humble. And then he says uh, to model incredible patience. If you're going to be for your community by serving them, you got to have humility. You've got to be patient with them. Be patient. Patient. I suffer from uh, lack of patience. I don't know anybody with me. Uh, I, uh, shamefully enough, I don't know, it's probably 20 years ago, I was late to a meeting. I pulled into a gas station. I had to get gas. I'm already running behind. I'm like, why won't this thing pump faster? And I'm trying, I'm trying. I lose track of time. I notice everything, everything's going on. I'm like, I gotta go. So I put, I get in the car and I drive down the road and I'm like, okay, I, I'm gonna be late for the meeting. And people start honking at me. And I was like, why are they honking at me? So I'm driving down the road. People are waving. They're like driving up going, 
And I'm like, hey, like, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. I mean, I've got 529 YouTube subscribers. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, I would never, ever once try to leverage you all into going onto YouTube right now on your phones, pressing that little app, and then searching for Jason Rates or speak with people. I would never ask you to do that and just subscribe to that, never. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's not what I would do. <laughs> just kidding. But it would be great if you did. But I'm kind of a big deal, so I'm driving down the road, and people are honking and waving, and so finally he yells, rolls down the window and was like, dude, you're dragging something. So I pull off the side of the road, I get out to the car, and I realize when you're done pumping gas, there's a very important part. You've got to put the hose back in its home. The hose wants to go home, but I didn't, I, I wanted to take it to my home, so I just drove off with it, still attached to my car, and I had about eight feet of gas hose driving down the road, and people were freaking out like they should have been. They were like, what are you doing? What is happening? And so I, you know, I pulled over, I'm like, what do I do? Do I just, you know, bad Jason popped up. Bad Jason's typically like Ryan Gosling. Uh, and bad Jason was like, hey man, nobody's got to know. Nobody will ever know. Just go bury the hose, put it somewhere. I was like, okay. And then good Jason pops up. Good Jason is, you know, typically uh, Ryan Reynolds. So I got the, <laughs> the Ryans going and Ryan's like, Jason, you know what you got to do. So I took the hose and I went back to the gas station, which had happened to be like, bring your mother to the gas station day. Everybody was there, like a bus of, you know, uh, senior citizens from the, the retirement home and a bus with the circus in town. Everybody was there. So I walked up with this hose and the manager comes running out and grabs it from me. Like it was like his lifelong child. Like I had I'd ripped it from his heart. And I was like, here's the hose. Thankfully, they have those disconnecting valves. So when people like me drive off with them uh, now, I've told this story probably thousands of times all over the country. One time I told this story, I was at a corporate event and they just laughed and laughed and laughed. And in the mail the next week, I get mailed to me a little gas pump model with a hose missing and the hose was in the, in the box. And they're like, just remember the hose goes back to its home. <laughs> but listen, patience, patience, I hear that whole story because patience, sometimes we just got to we got to be patient. In John chapter 13, as we finish this passage of scripture, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now. He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you understand. And Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet unless I, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not everyone. And he knew who's going to betray him. Peter makes this big giant statement. Maybe he thought all the other disciples missed the point by letting Jesus wash their feet. He wants, he wants to protest. He wants to proclaim that Jesus is too great and he's too unworthy to have him washed. So Jesus makes this dramatic statement. This was an immoderate modesty to his proud humility. And Peter had to accept this from Jesus. This became a pattern for us. If we do not accept the humble service of Jesus to cleanse us, we have no part with him. Even though Peter preached the good news of the kingdom and cast out the devils in Jesus' name, he still needed his feet washed. Even though Peter saw the transfigured uh, Jesus in his glory together with Moses and Elijah in this amazing spiritual experience, he still needed his feet washed. Even though Peter, the same guy, walked on water with these feet, he still needed his feet washed. This is the level of patience that Jesus shows us. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely and humble and gentle. Be patient. 
bearing with one another in love. My wife teaches me this every single day. I married the most amazing woman. We've been married 27 years. About six months ago, we were both sick. Uh, I'm a rise early, 4.30 in the morning, I'm up. I like to make the bed right away. She is not. She would like to stay in bed as long as possible, not make the bed. So I get up, and at 4.30, I have my little light on, and I'm trying to make my side of the bed. <laughs> not good for your marriage, by the way, just in case you're newlyweds, you know, and you're like, I need good practices. Don't use that one. But that's like a, you know, 25-year-plus kind of thing. But we're both sick, and we're trying to outserve each other, and we're like, let's make the bed. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, you, you, you get that cover. And she's like, okay. And we're trying to like out, out and, and we're trying to do this together. And that day it hit me that I'm married to a woman who's, who's once, and I, I'm not exaggerating this, who once in 27 years has never talked down to me. She never called me a name. She never reminded me of my past mistakes. I mean, she just modeled such incredible patience with me. I'm like, that is such a blessing. You and I, we've got to model that same kind of patience to other people. Significance comes through serving. Some of you are looking for a purpose in your life. It's through serving. It's through giving to others. It's through emptying yourself. It's through doing the unforgettable moments that nobody else wants to do. You want to be significant? Choose unforgettable moments. Quietly, every single day, serve your family. Serve your boss, serve your employees, serve your neighborhood. Then the last point, Jesus pushes us to take real action. He shows us humility, he shows us patience, and then he says, take real action. John 13, 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than a master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus' entire life was a lesson to his disciples. His actions were louder than his words. And Jesus shows us that we should wash each other's feet. And maybe it's not just washing their feet. Maybe, maybe it's different things. But when I pastored our church, I started a week after you guys started your church. We started in central Michigan. You're here in central Illinois. Before I pastored the church, I traveled and spoke in schools a lot, like I still do. I, I speak for companies and schools and churches. And one of the things that I noticed in all these assemblies that I was doing is many of the school's children had tennis shoes that were just falling apart. And so I started talking to teachers about it and principals. When we started our church, I went to the principal of the elementary school in our town, and I said, hey, our, our church wants to buy every elementary school kid in your, in your school a brand new pair of shoes. And this principal just started weeping. So you don't understand. Our teachers every single day wrap kids' shoes with tape. There are holes in their shoes. They come with shoes three sizes too big or three sizes too small. There's a very poor area in central Michigan. And so we just said, we want to come in. And so it, they said yes. And so we came in. Somehow the, the, all the details got worked out. We knew all the first names of the kids and their shoe size. And so we got a, <clears throat> Adidas to give us a, a killer deal. And for a young church, we had to raise $10,000, which could have been a million dollars at that point for a young church. I stood before my church, and I'm like, we got to raise $10,000. And they're like, what are we doing? I was like, we're going to give elementary school kids a brand new pair of shoes. And, and some people were like, what are you talking about? They don't need shoes. I was like, we got we to gotta do this. God's calling us to do this. And one person's like, we don't, 
How do we know they deserve them? And I was like, hey, I have a job for you. Here, let me, let me give you this bucket. Like, <laughs> but isn't there something about a brand new pair of shoes? You get a new pair of kicks and you're like, you go walking like this to walking like this. And you're like, all right, you notice my new shoes? Uh-huh. Now we're talking. Same thing's happening to kids. They get a new pair of shoes. They're like, I'm faster. I'm stronger. Like, let's do this. So we did it. We go in. The gym has all these seats that are uh, circles facing outwards. The kids walk in. Every, every adult has their hands up. We're cheering for the kids. All these elementary school kids are like, <laughs> and so they finally sit down. And then all these volunteers, uh, teenagers and adults, get on their knees in front of every student. <laughs> and you want to talk about modern foot washing. We then take off this old ratty tennis shoe. Not all the kids had ratty tennis shoes. Not They all did, but we just included everybody. We took off this old shoe, and some of the kids were so embarrassed about their socks or so embarrassed about their shoes. Then we put on a brand-new pair of socks and then a brand-new pair of shoes, and then every box had a card in it that's, that had their first name on it and said, Amy, you are amazing. You are the best. Like, they're, they're, this is awesome. You get to serve. And so literally we're on our, our knees in front of the kids giving them this. And you see the principal in the corner just weeping. And you see teachers trying to cover their eyes because every single day teachers are helping these kids and they're, they're trying to tape up these shoes. And people are just rejoicing. I mean, they're just so happy. And the kids, finally, the principal was like, it's National Run in the Hallway Day. So they're running through the hallways and you know, they got their new shoes. The principal told me that for weeks, some kids would come to school in their old shoes with their new shoes in the shoebox. And then they would get to their locker, they kick off their old shoes, put them in the locker, put on their new shoes. And then it was like a different attitude when they walked around the school. It was like, all right. And then at the end of the day, they put their old shoes back on to walk home and put their new shoes in the box. Like some of those things, like for those of us who shoes have never been unforgettable, it was unforgettable for them. Can you imagine the fourth grader who remembers when these church people came in and gave them new shoes and said, you're amazing? Like, maybe he won't remember that for years, but I guarantee you I've lived enough life to where now those things happened when I was a kid or a teenager, and God, the seed blossoms in my head, and I remember those moments because they're unforgettable servant moments. Mother Teresa said, we cannot do great things on earth, only small things with great love. Gary Haugen says, God has a plan, and his plan is us. So, friends, here's my challenge to you. Look for the unforgettable moments that you can serve people. You can serve people in your community, at the schools, at the library, at the community functions, your neighborhoods, the parks, volunteering for soccer, volunteering for baseball, whatever it is, use those moments to represent Jesus. Be his hands and feet and go out in the community and be for your community by serving them. Let me pray for you. God, we just thank you so much for this time together. God, we just thank you for the warmth of this building we thank you for the warmth of the love in this building that, that this church has for each other. We thank you for your love and how it will not fade away, how you are not going to give up on us, but you are the father waiting by the gate. And so God, we just pray today that you would help us uh, be humble in our serving, be patient in our serving. And, and, and God, that you, you would give us the actions to do in our serving. And so God, help us be for our community by serving them through these unforgettable moments. We just ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen, amen.